Good morning. I would like to thank Alan for stealing my sermon, and uh, so we can go home. No, uh, my name is Jeremy. I'm the director of youth and young adults here at Cedar Hills, and I am so happy to be a part of the second uh, week of the series, Just Love. And, and I do have to admit that it was a struggle preparing the sermon this week. Usually it comes really easy on Monday or Tuesday, and, and this one came really hard on Friday. And, and the reason for that is I looked at this passage and said, well, I think I've preached on this two or three times already, and it's a very familiar passage. And so what else is there? And then God said, just because it's familiar doesn't mean you know it. Just because you can quote a verse doesn't mean you're living it out. And so I was convicted this week, thanks be to God, that just because something is familiar doesn't mean we really get it yet. And so my prayer for all of us today is that we would be open for the Holy Spirit to convict us where we think we already know it and learn something new from him today. So we're going to be looking at Matthew 22, verses 36 through 40. This is the first book in the New Testament, roughly about two-thirds of the way towards the end of the Bible. And before we get going, I'd like to pray. God, meet us here this morning. May your spirit convict us of any pride we have of already knowing it all. God, give us hearts and ears that are ready to listen and learn. So, Lord, wherever we need corrected and convicted today, we ask that you do it. We pray this in your name. Amen. Matthew 22, 36 to 40. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Is that passage familiar to a lot of you? Yeah. Well, I would like to read it out of another version, uh, the Jesus book. Uh, from Hawaii. Uh, it says this. He say, hey, teacher, from all the rules God when give us, which one? The main one. Jesus tell him, get love and aloha for the boss your God with all your heart, with everything inside of you, and with how you think. This the first and most important rule God when give us. And the next rule, to like that one. Get love and aloha for the other people to like you get love and aloha for yourself. All God's rules and everything the guys who when talk for God when say come from these two rules. Rules. What is the most important thing for us to follow? If you look previous in, in Matthew, 
there was another group of religious leaders that came and tried to trick Jesus with a question, and Jesus answered them brilliantly, and they went away sad and quiet. And, and then this next group comes in, and they want to try to trick Jesus too, and like, oh, we have all of these rules, and we're going to ask him which is the most important. How is he going to pick one? And he answers them simply, love Jesus, love others, love yourself. It is pretty simple, right? Well, I'm guessing that we have questions on at least one of those categories. How do we love God? How do we love others? And how do we love ourselves? Maybe we have questions on all three of those. So what does it mean to love God? Does it mean showing up here on Sunday morning in your Sunday best with uh, your coat just in case the heat goes out? and uh, reading scripture through the week, and praying through the week. Yeah, that's, that's how we love God. That's how we worship God. That's part of it, but it's not a check the box, because that's what you've always done type of attitude. See, loving God isn't just doing things because you've always done them. There's a purpose for what we do. And the, the Jewish leaders would have known this verse, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. It was something that had been spoken thousands of years before. It's from Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 6, which says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. The Lord your, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. This part of Scripture in Deuteronomy was called the Shema. And it goes a little bit like this. Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad, Ve'ahavta et Adonai Eloheha, Uhod Neshacha. I had to memorize that in my Hebrew class. That is something that these Jewish leaders would have repeated day in and day out, yet did they really understand what it meant? We said the Lord's Prayer. That would be my version of saying something day in and day out and maybe not completely knowing what it means. Growing up, my family would always say the Lord's Prayer after meals. And as I was growing up, it was definitely how fast and how quick can I get through it with all the right words. Yet it didn't mean anything to me. It didn't have value because it was just something I said over and over again. And then I went to a conference where a speaker dug into the parts of the Lord's Prayer and the depth of the meaning and heard sermons here at Cedar Hills. It changed what it meant. And I wonder if Jesus is trying to do that with these religious leaders you, you say this over and over, but do you really get what it means to love the Lord your God? The next question that came to my mind in this passage was the word love. You may have heard that there in the Greek, which the New Testament was written in, there are multiple words for love. There's uh, a romantic love. There's a family love. There's a brotherly love. And then there's an unconditional love, the love God has for us. It's the word agape. 
So I'm wondering, what word do you think is used in this passage? Love the Lord. Is it love the Lord like a brother? Love him like family? Love him romantically? Or love him unconditionally? The word in this passage is agape. We are asked to, uh, not asked, we're commanded to love the Lord unconditionally. So let's, let's read it that way. Unconditionally love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. How easy is it to love the Lord unconditionally or to love anyone unconditionally? It's not easy, but I don't think God ever meant following him to be easy. I don't know if you've ever heard that before, but I feel like that might be a lie that the church has said. It's easy to follow Jesus. Just come on in. It's not easy. In fact, I was reading a devotional this week about discipleship, how to follow Jesus. And and in that devotional, it said that we have to make sure we surrender every part of our life to follow Jesus. We have to pick up our cross daily. We have to put him number one and everything else below. And that is not easy. In fact, Kent said last week that loving others is not soft, it's not fast, it's not easy. It it takes time, but we have help. Do you imagine that Jesus knows how to love God unconditionally? I imagine that they have an unconditional relationship of love. And here's the great news. Galatians 2.20 gives us this hope. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So we can unconditionally love God with everything that we are when Christ lives in us. Because it is Christ that is loving through us. That comes when we surrender everything to him. John 14, 21 says, Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. So a very tangible way that we can love God is by obeying his commands, by following what he says. So the question is then, how do we know, how do we know what God's word says? In reality, like what Pastor Kent was saying last week, that we have really tried to focus on reading scripture throughout the week. That's how we know what God says, as we hear and read his word. But how can we live like we know Jesus if we don't know what it says? Well, it's impossible. If we would go our whole lives and and not engage with the word of God, how in the world could we know? I have to tell you, most of the time, I think that we may not even know that we're living opposed to God's word. Because we don't know what it says. Came a parent uh, this week, I was talking to a teenager, and they told me a story about a conversation they had when they stood up for what they believed was right. They were in a chat with some friends, and um, usually a very good friend group, but one of their cousins got a hold of their phone and started talking vulgarity, uh, typing vulgarities and swearing into the conversation. And they st- ch- chatted back and said, hey, we don't use that language here in this uh, chat. And later, one of their best friends came up to him and said, I am just so sad for you 
that you're so sheltered that this is the first time you've heard that language. And I thought to myself, I'm super sad for this person that thinks this language is okay. And they've heard it so many times that it's just normal. But church, isn't that the slippery slope we get into sometimes that we are so encompassed by the world that all of a sudden things that are not godly become okay. When we look at our lives, we are not called to live the status quo of the world around us. We are not called to laugh at what the world laughs at. In fact, the, the scripture says you shall not use any unwholesome talk It talks about not swearing. It talks about no vulgar speech. It talks about no dirty and coarse jokes. And yet, we say it's okay because everybody else does it. And I wonder, I wonder why we're so interested in loving the world rather than following the command of loving God with everything we have. We love God with our mouth, with our ears, with our mind, with everything that we put in and what goes out. And one of those commands is to love others. Again, in this passage in Matthew, it says, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So the question again, what love is this talking about? Are we supposed to love the people around us romantically? Are we supposed to love them like a family? Are we supposed to love them like a brother? Or are we supposed to love them unconditionally? Again, it's agape. Love your neighbor. Agape, love your neighbor. Unconditionally love those around you. Yes, the ones who are mean. The ones who have hurt you. The ones who are rude. The ones who are annoying. The ones who are obnoxious. And you just want to pull out your hair. Uh, none of you have those people. I'm not saying that God tells us to stay in dangerous situations. If there's a situation where we are in harm, we need to get out of there. We cannot control what other people do, but the fact is we can control how we respond to them and how we talk about them behind their backs. So I want you to think for a moment. I want you to think for a moment someone who's maybe hurt you or frustrated you or drives you to that last straw. Maybe it brings up frustration. Maybe anger. Maybe bitterness. God never, God never intended us to carry anger or bitterness when it comes to relationships. Do you know that when you extend unconditional love, it is impossible to be angry and bitter? Because you are loving that person no matter what. Yet, people hurt us. And God's response to us, love them. Love them. In our minds, we think, how can we do that? Don't we deserve to get revenge? Don't we deserve to hold on to anger? Here are a couple of verses that God gives us about loving 
the unlovable. Romans 5, 6 through 8 in the message says, Christ arrives right on time to make this happen. He didn't and doesn't wait for us to get ready. He presented himself for the sacrificial death when we were far too weak and rebellious to do anything to get ourselves ready. And even if we hadn't been so weak, we wouldn't have known what to do anyway. We understand someone dying for a person worth dying for, and we can understand how someone good and noble could inspire us to selfless sacrifice. But God put his love on the line for us by offering his son in sacrificial death while we were of no use whatever to him. When we were the rude and the annoying and the one hurting God, his response, I'm going to send Jesus because I love them and I want the best for them. How can we do that to those around us? Those who are actively talking bad about us. Those who are actively hurting us. Romans 12, 19 through 21 gives us another picture of this. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge and I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You want to love people around you unconditionally? Never think of what they deserve. Think about how you can love them. Give them something to eat. Give them something to drink. Help them on a project. Help them at their home. Invite them over for dinner. Whatever it is, how can you love and show Christ even to those who seem unlovable? Again, like when it was to love God, loving others, we have been told that it is okay to hold a grudge and it is okay to fight back. But where did we get that from? I don't think it was from God. God says love. And, and I want to clarify again, not love in the world's definition, because today I feel like love equals agreement. If you agree with me, you love me. If you disagree with me, then you hate me. That's not definition of love. In fact, I would say the greatest act of love that anyone who knows Jesus can do is to disagree with someone who doesn't know Jesus. Because people who don't know Jesus need to know Jesus. And how will they know unless we disagree with them about that? It's okay to disagree. It's okay to have questions. But it's not okay to do it in a prideful, I'm better than you way. It's a, I need Jesus so much. I know you need Jesus so much. And can I just show you how much Christ loves you? We definitely, as a church, need to stop getting so bent out of shape about things. Stop being offended at everything and just love. Love those who seem unlovable. 
Love them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Love them with answers that can only be found in God's word. Finally, we're asked to, commanded to, love ourselves. And for some of us, this may be the hardest thing to do, to love ourselves. Again, I would argue that it's hard to love ourselves because we have listened to the lies of the world. It's hard to love ourselves because the world tells us we have to look a certain way, dress a certain way. We have to say certain things or we have to watch certain things. Our world tells us we have to be a certain size. We have to have a certain type of hair or at least wear the lack of hair well. We have to be physically fit. I have to be honest, whenever I hear someone saying that they don't love themselves, I never hear this. Well, I just don't love that I'm so crabby all the time. Well, I just, I just don't love that I'm so petty about these issues. No, it's always an external thing that we don't love ourselves. We don't love ourselves because of this, that, and the other thing. And it's all external. It's never an internal thing that we dislike. I want to share with you a couple scriptures that God says about you. Psalm 139. For you, God, created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Did you know your parents weren't the ones that have known you the longest? God knit you together. God created you for a purpose. He knew you from the beginning. So often we ask our friends and our coworkers and our family to tell us how valuable we are. Our value and identity comes in the one who created us. God says to us that we are his, that we are created by him. David here says that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do We were created to do good works for God. That is our identity. That is our value. Our value isn't placed in any external looks. Our value is placed on following God and living according to his purpose. I've talked to many teams that struggle with their value and their identity. And the... Makes me sad for a couple reasons. Number one, makes me sad that people don't really know their true identity and value in Jesus. The second reason is, church, why aren't we loving these people to know Jesus? 
Why aren't we coming alongside and helping them see the truth of who they are? This week I wondered if the familiarity with going to church on Sunday morning, reading our Bibles, always seemingly reading the same passages and praying the same prayers, I wonder if the familiarity has decreased the value because we just do it because that's what we're supposed to do. I wondered that with this passage, and as I looked into it and God spoke, the value of this passage increased. And it helped me wonder, do we listen more to the world for answers about love, or do we listen more to the Bible about love? So I want to encourage us today, and I pray for us today, that we will no longer listen to the lies or be deceived by the world's truth. That we'll be no more of loving people wrong, but that we would love God with everything that we have in all circumstances through Jesus Christ, according to his word. May we love others no matter what and go over the top with this love and compassion for them. And may we know who we are, created by the hand of God for a purpose far greater than we can even imagine. So this week, church, may we love differently. Not because we have to, but because we want to for the glory of God. Amen. God, we come in today and We admit that we don't always know what it means to love you completely and unconditionally, and we don't always know what it means to love our neighbor unconditionally or even love ourselves unconditionally. But God, you have commanded us to. You will love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. You will love your neighbor as yourself. Lord, these are not options. So this week, help us to seek your word, to know you more, and to love others well. Amen.